Welcome back to another episode of Flick 66. I'm your host, Dr. Thomas Parm of Azusa Pacific University Cinema. And with me, as always, is... Aloha, Aaron Linneman here, through Skype. Yeah, we're doing some cool stuff today. We've got three of us in three different geographic locations. I'm in Cali, Aaron's in Hawaii, celebrating his dad's 60th anniversary, and our special guest, Dr. Alec Weiner of Palm Beach Atlantic University. Say howdy, Alec. Howdy, Alec. (laughs) Funny, funny, funny. Let's go through the news. Um, Joker held on to number one with $55.8 million, $193.5 million domestic cum. It's making a ton of money. Adam's Family, um, it's a CGI version of the Adam's Family. That opened in second place last weekend with $30.3 million. Gemini Man, uh, Ang Lee's collaboration with Will Smith and Will Smith, opened in third place to weak reviews in only $20.5 million. Ouch. Abominable was fourth in its third week with $6 million domestic for a $47.8 million cum. And the Downton Abbey movie was fifth with $4.8 million and $82.6 million domestic cum. So that's going to turn a tiny little profit. Uh, new releases this weekend include two sequels, Zombieland Double Tap, which earned $2.85 million last night, and Maleficent Mistress of Evil, which earned $2.3 million. Also, Taika Waititi's controversial Jojo Rabbit opens this weekend. Do either of you plan to see that? Yes. Was that a no from Alec and a yes from Aaron? Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, that was a yes for me. That was a no for me. Uh, why? Why no, Alec? Just asking. No plans. Uh, I'm gonna wait and see. Um, you know, the trailer grabs you where it doesn't, um, and so it's uh, a lot of kids and Nazis. I guess that's what it's about. I haven't delved any further into it. Maybe it'll pique my interest later. It's been, uh, the NPR reviewers kind of liked it. I listened to the capsule reviews uh, before lunch this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I like Taika Waititi. I, am, I think he's a talented filmmaker. He's a decent actor. And I'm, I'm intrigued because it sounds fascinating. How about you, Aaron? I'm, I'm very intrigued. Uh, even before the Marvel movies, I actually really enjoyed some of his projects. Uh, this one's going to be a little more bigger budget. That will be interesting. He's got a lot more well-named actors than previously, so I want to see what he does with that. Yeah, and Disney, which inherited this from Fox, is kind of scared of this. <laughs> I don't think they know what to know what to, knew what to do with it. It's like uh, we'll sort of kind of bury it like mid-October, so it's not quite really an award season. But in case it does well, we can say it is. So plausible deniability. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about some news. Fox's drama Prodigal Son is the first new show, new new fall show to be given a full season order, while NBC's alleged comedy Sunnyside is the first cancellation. It's going to be replaced on Thursday nights by the third and final season of the Will and Grace revival. Also, NBC has announced they will not order additional episodes of Bluff City Law, the Jimmy Smith's legal series. Uh, the Alliance, a co-production group formed by an Italian, a French, and a German company, have announced that Poldark star Aidan Turner, who was also in the Hobbit trilogy, will play Leonardo da Vinci in a new series by X-Files alum Frank Spotnitz. AMC has renewed The Walking Dead for season 11 and announced that Lauren Cohan will return as Maggie. She left, uh, she had a very short-lived spy show with Scott Foley on ABC. 
And that's probably why she's back, because a job is better than no job. Uh, mm-hmm. Apple has set an overall television deal with Alfonso Cuaron, Oscar winner for uh, uh, last year's Roma. CBS has extended Stephen Colbert's contract to host The Late Show through August 2023. Jeff Daniels will play James Comey in CBS Studios' adaptation of his book, A Higher Loyalty. Brendan Gleeson will star as Donald Trump, and Holly Hunter as Sally Yates. On CBS All Access, Star Trek Picard will premiere on Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. By the way, I was in uh, I was in the Hulu Theater at Madison Square Garden two weekends ago for New York Comic Con and the Star Trek Universe panels, and Sir Patrick got a standing ovation from the audience, and they had uh, the director, the producers, and the core cast. And they ran the new trailer, which has appearances by Britt Spiner as Data, uh, Jonathan Frakes as Will Riker, and Marina Sturtis as Deanna Troy. So people were loving that. Um, CBS All Access has also renewed Why Women Kill for Season 2. On The CW, All-American, the football drama in its second season, has scored an additional three episodes, bringing the uh, order for Season 2 to 16. On Disney Plus, Tony Gilroy, who wrote Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is joining the untitled Cassian Andor series starring Diego Luna. I have nicknamed it Rogue Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Fox has renewed the new animated comedy Bless the Hearts for season two, and HBO has hired Nicholas Winding Refn to adapt the cult film franchise Maniac Cop as a TV series. On Mm. HBO Max... They have bought the U.S. streaming rights for Studio Ghibli films, which will all be available upon launch. They've also given a straight-to-series order for Grease, Right Out High, a spinoff of the original musical, because that's what everybody was clamoring for, you know, 40 years later, is a Grease series. And Search Party Season 3 will move to HBO Max from TBS. On Netflix, actually, this is more about Netflix, the studio, than the network or streaming service or whatever. They can release Steven Soderbergh's The Laundromat on schedule. The attorneys portrayed in the Panama Papers drama alleged they were defamed in it and went to court to try to block the release, and the court said no. Finally, from Netflix, Amanda Seyfried will join Gary Oldman in Mank, David Fincher's biopic about Citizen Kane screenwriter Herman Mankovich. The cast also includes Lily Collins and Charles Dance. And on Showtime, David Oyelowo will star in The President is Missing from Bill Clinton and James Patterson. Television sure does make strange bed of bedfellows. Yeah, uh, yeah. For, uh, yeah, especially when you get it's interesting how many um, uh, folks in the political associations get uh, movies made uh, from them or by them or featuring them. We've, we've mentioned two so far, and we got you know uh, something coming up uh, soon uh, in with um, what is it uh, the Fox News folks as well. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's uh, speculation that Naomi Watts, Naomi Watts might get an Oscar nod for she's playing oh I can't remember which is it Gretchen Carlson yeah Gretchen Carlson I believe yeah in film news Disney is wooing David Diggs to play Sebastian de Crab in the Little Mermaid live action version <laughs> Mattel Films this is news of the pending apocalypse is developing a Barney film as in Barney the Purple Dinosaur. With Daniel Kaluuya's 59% banner, because when I think the star of Get Out, I think Barney the Dinosaur, <laughs> and Valparaiso Pictures. 
my pastor at Lake Avenue actually walked us through a proof that Barney is the Antichrist. If you take cute purple dinosaur and isolate all the letters that correlate to Roman numerals, it adds up to 666. <laughs> um, Sky uh, is, um, is, is producing Twist, a gender-bending update of Charles Dickens' Oliver Twist, which will star Michael Caine, Lena Headey, Raph Law, as in Jude Law's son, and pop star Rita Ora. And Kane will play Fagin, Heedy will play Sykes, Law is going to play the title role, and Ora is going to play Dodge. So they flipped two of the male characters to female characters, and Sky plans to release it on pay TV the same day it opens in theaters in the UK. Sony hopes to cast Naomi Harris to play Spider-Man villain Shriek in Venom 2, starring Tom Hardy. Did, did either of you see Venom 1 by any chance? No, I didn't. That was such a strange... I didn't dislike it, but I was thinking, you know, what is he doing? <laughs> Tom Hardy is an actor, because I wasn't sure what, what he was doing, at the choices he was making. And then I see Michelle Williams, and I'm like, why is she in this movie at all? With all those Oscar yeah, nominations. That was, that was something I was <laughs> it, curious about, it, how she got signed to do that. It's like... <laughs> Mama needs to pay mortgage. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just such a... I, I, again, I didn't dislike the movie, but it was such a strange... I mean, going straight from... Doing a, a Spider-Man villain movie with no Spider-Man villain, and they basically make him an anti-hero because there's somebody worse than he is, but they kind of skipped over the real origin of Venom to do this straight into another story arc they did years later. Yeah, it's it's got an interesting... Uh uh story too because wasn't the movie life supposed to be the prequel that's the room that's the rumor but i've never heard confirmation of that oh okay that's the one with jake okay. gyllenhaal right yeah that movie yeah that was the rumor floating around but uh that was never confirmed and i don't know i, I it seemed like it could have been fanboy service or, or wish yeah. list uh universal has added dewanda wise to the cast of jurassic world 3 and at Warner Brothers, while Jonah Hill will not be joining Matt Reeves, the Batman, in an unspecified role, Zoe Kravitz has been cast as Catwoman and Paul Dano as the Riddler. Both of those, I think, are good choices. What say you, Dr. Batman? Well, I had only heard that he was in talks. Dano was in talks as the Riddler. I had not heard it was confirmed. Yeah, it's confirmed. that He and Kravitz are both confirmed, and Hill is not. He's... I guess thinking, oh, maybe I'll direct another film. Yeah, well, um, we we know so much about these films before they've even begun to roll uh, that it's it's like it seems to take forever. Batfleck uh, seemed to be happening and happening and happening for all this early release. It just seems like you forget how long it takes to make a movie from start to finish, and so by the time it comes out, expectations are often raised uh, cruelly. Uh, and people are expecting something to get something else. But this cannot help but uh, rehabilitate the Riddler on screen uh, if they keep the balance of the characters right. So are we talking after the Jim Carrey version in Batman yeah, Forever? People think of um, probably in, you know, the Riddler on screen uh, is, uh, so, you know, with Matt Reeves' reputation of, uh, as a serious filmmaker and, and who plays it straight, 
this could be uh, a very good chance for the Riddler to be challenging, especially if they, as reported, treat uh, this Batman as more of a detective. Right. And um, when I saw that uh, Kravitz had been cast as Selena Kyle, I thought somewhere in the great beyond, Eartha Kitt is looking down very pleased. Uh, right, man. Uh, we, you know, you've, I'm open to various takes, even if the last thing people saw uh, was Dark Knight Rises uh, version, and you've got, you know, the possibilities were there. Some people liked it, some people didn't. I thought it was wonderful, and I'm looking forward to this as well. As long as we don't pull a Burton and overpopulate the um, cast, you know, just to stuff as many Batman characters in as possible. Uh, Nolan made it look natural uh, and organic, and obviously that's what Marvel does for breakfast: is uh, weave characters in and out. This is, hopefully, we will have a um, a nice, you know, coherent script featuring these characters. What say you, Aaron? I am excited about the Paul Dano news. Uh, I think he's he's great for the Riddler. I'm really excited. Um, you know, you kind of have to be hesitant just a little bit because you don't know what they're going to bring to the table yet. But I agree with you. I think, I think the choices are great. And, um, I think the role Jonah Hill passed on was the Riddler. Do you think it was the Riddler? I'm not sure. Huh? Some people were speculating. I I, I, I listened to other news sources and I remember like a month back, they were talking that Jonah Hill was in talks for maybe like the Riddler. Um, so, you gotta wonder what the, if 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 that was true and he turns it down. You gotta wonder what Paul Dano thinks when he knows ah, I wasn't the first choice, but I'll take the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I like to I, eat. I, Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I'm definitely very interested to see how this movie is going to be. Um, I think Paul Dano is a good pairing to Robert Pattinson. So let's hope let's hope for the best on this one. This is true. Um, and finally, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who played Black Manta in Aquaman, has been cast in a secret role for Matrix 4. Matrix 4? <sighs> oh, no. wouldn't, wouldn't there have to be a Matrix 2 and 3 before there could be a 4? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those movies are... I have no idea how this movie's going to play out. This movie, oh, it, it seems like such a wanton cash grab. Oh, 100%. It's, it, they, they probably saw how well Keanu was doing. In do, the know, John Wick movies? Year, and they're like, we're going to cash in on that. We're going to cash in on the Keanu craze. Yeah, exactly. Are Keanu's they going to bring him back uh, from a backup disc? Who knows? I, know. I mean, a lot, of the character, a lot of the characters they've announced who are returning are supposed to be dead, so. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers. Use a, a time machine, of an, an Apple time machine, to go and get an earlier version. Reboot. <laughs> okay, let's go on to our feature stories, which are slightly connected. Uh, just to give Aaron and also you out there in in uh, in podcast land some background on Dr. Weiner. His doctoral thesis was is was published a few years back by um, McFarland Press, and it's called Soul of the Dark Knight. You want to fill me in on the subtitle? Because I don't have that memorized. Batman is a mythic figure in comics and film. So um, because we're our, our two feature stories today are both comics, comic book movies related, 
uh, I thought he would be an, a very appropriate guest for this week's discussion. So now that all of us have seen Joker, <laughs> I will, you know, Aaron, you said, well, well let's, let, let's let our guest go first. Alec, you saw this movie, I believe, Sunday afternoon. Right. What did you think? Well, the trailer really did prepare me for it. Um, there, I was very little surprise. It simply was, you know, it fulfilled the stylistic cues and the uh, angle on the character. Uh, poor, uh, how spoiler-free is this supposed to be? Um, the we're two weekends beyond, so we we can put I'll put on the tag spoiler alert. But I think we should be free to discuss the movie. I mean, it's yeah, two weekends beyond. Thanks. Um, what I did was I, I watched it and, uh, you know, discussed it with my wife, Judith, on the way home. And then I went to my computer, opened up my uh, notes app, and just started putting in sentences as, as, you know, they were churning in my head. And then I think the next day I sat down and typed it out as a, um, a letter to um, a client. I uh, called it a document in the DC files at Warner Brothers. Summary of proposal for script treatment concept with publicity representation firm Tape Associates, LLC services for client Joe Kerr. And uh, it basically, it, it, you can, if you look my name up online on Facebook uh, and go back in my, in my uh, feed, you'll see it. It's there with a picture of uh, the character in and out of makeup. Essentially, uh, this reminded me of a phrase that the uh, World Magazine Review had done of The Dark Knight, that the Keith Ledger's Joker is the devil, he's Satan, uh, because A, he's a father of lies, everything he says is a lie, so much so that uh, you, he throws you off with his appearance and behavior. And one point he says, do I really look like a guy with a plan? You know what I am? I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with one if I caught it. You know, I just do things. Well, obviously that isn't true. He's three or four steps ahead of everybody, including Batman. Until Batman finally figures out what he's really after, destroying the morale and the spirit of Gotham, and by countering that. So in other words, this, this guy is brilliant and he doesn't have a past. You can't even believe his origin stories. He keeps telling people, want to know how I got these scars? But this film is about uh, someone who couldn't possibly fight his way out of a paper bag unless he was just lashing out. He can't plan, plan a crime to save his life. He simply accidentally likes the fuse that becomes a urban riot, uh, uh, accidentally creating a symbolic figure that is a rallying point, even though he has no intention of doing that. The crimes he commits are spontaneous, unplanned, and he's quickly captured, and he just keeps killing. So, I couldn't, you couldn't, The if uh, Joker was a real character, he couldn't have asked for a better PR makeover. Instead of a evil genius planning crimes, he's a helpless victim of mental illness. And the sort of thing he does is simply about uh, reforming the area and reversing the polarity. Uh, the Waynes are actually the 1%. They are the cause of the problems. They, they lord it over everyone. They criticize poor, mentally ill people. 
and blame them for the troubles. And so when there's the uh, you know the big reveal, when someone inspired by this Joker character uh, kills the Waynes, a strangely passive uh, Bruce Wayne, both in the scene at the gate and in the alley, he just literally stands around looking blank. He will be forever scarred by the image of a clown killing his parents. So his problem is not with crime, it's with clowns. And so he's the guy with the problem. He's the one obsessed about clowns. So a complete reversal of the Batman-Joker uh, polarity has happened, and the Joker is, first of all, a victim of people like the Waynes. So he couldn't ask for a more diabolical take on the Batman-Joker axis. Wow. Wow. Um, Aaron, I'm going to tag you in next. Um, this one, uh, I need to watch again. It's a process. I actually really enjoyed it, uh, the first viewing, but also kind of kind of with uh, our – I went opening weekend, so it was pretty crazy where I was at. Um, it was probably one of the most stressful theater experiences I've been at. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard, like – uh, just around, I think in New York, somebody got kicked out for spitting on people and cheering every time the Joker killed somebody. Uh, there was like where we went, uh, I went to Universal Studios and they had kind of minimum security and uh, they let they let people in with big backpacks and stuff. And Ooh. I actually, oh, huh? That's a, that's astonishing. Yeah. So there's people with backpacks and stuff, and you, you just kind of have to wonder. And the, the real kicker is uh, at the very end of the movie, there's probably a minute left. Some guy who I think saw the movie the night before got up, stood in the exit way with his backpack, and started dancing to the Frank Sinatra song at the end of the film. And I was like, well, if anything happens, it's not worth it to stay for the last minute. So me and my... Me and my girlfriend both left the theater. A couple other people left, too, because uh, it was just very strange. But um, from the, the the viewing experience I had, I thought it was a – I thought the cinematography was very beautiful. I saw it on a huge IMAX screen, so I got to kind of fully take in all of – even though it, you know, it doesn't take place in grand scale of things, I, I think – uh, whoever did the cinematography uh, did a did a great job. Uh, overall, story wise, uh, I knew going in that this wasn't going to be like the comics, so I didn't uh, go in really expecting too much. Uh, I was actually surprised that they did like have more time with Bruce Wayne and the killing of the Waynes. I honestly expected that not to happen uh, and even alfred showing up a young alfred i think that was alfred at the gate yeah, uh, yeah. did not expect to see him in the movie so uh i do want to see this film one more time just based on the whole kind of the whole kind of i guess vibe of what was inside the theater in the essence um we weren't the only people to leave because of that, uh, I, you could tell that some people were like, it's not worth it. That was not a very nice thing that guy did. I think he was just trying to cause kind of a raise at the end of the film. But, you know, you, you just kind of have to question things when they're letting in people with full-on backpacks and stuff. Like, 
you never know. Was there any um, sign outside the theater about no costumes, no T-shirts, no whatever? No, they, no signs. They had a couple policemen just at the front of the theater, just kind of hanging out at the Universal City Walk with like one or two dogs. But you know, they 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 just let it was just like a normal. I I knew that security was going to be a little more a little more. Uh, tighter but uh from what i saw from new york i expected it to be a lot more tighter because the universal city walk the theater we're in is one of the biggest theaters i think in north america so that's a lot of people packed into one place so you would think you know universal would be doing what new york did and i know new york they had metal detectors they wouldn't allow any backpacks of anything and if you had like a purse or anything they would check inside but uh, at City Walk, they just, you know, you just kind of walked in, got your seat. I, I wasn't too worried, but when somebody's acting suspicious, you know, you can only think of, you know, what can happen. Seriously. We, yeah, we had a guy um, cheer when the Joker admitted to killing the people on the subway. Uh-huh. And that was also really weird, too. Yeah. Like, he was laughing. So Yeah, that, that's – I've been – uh, I, yeah, we had a sign outside, signs outside the uh, theater when we went and saw it in Wellington, Florida, uh, to say no, you know, just a, a picture of the character, a photograph, and and over it, you know, no T-shirts, no uh, no this, that, or the other. You know, if you go in clean, uh, there, no makeup, uh, stuff like that, no costumes uh, there. During the movie, um, there was laughter at after the scissors murder Uh, yeah same for the midget and it's and that was like oh boy they're laughing at this this is horrifying but that's the way that's i guess that was the gag uh and at the end when the credits came up uh people uh, several people behind me were applauding and so you know that was the extent of uh audience reaction i'll uh we had a laugh during the, the the hospital the kid children's hospital that was uh, oh that was so ugh. i mean i i do a lot of hospital visits in fact i yeah. have one coming up in a couple of weeks and that was that was unsettling for sure um okay here's here's my take and my review is already on apucinema.com and professor wayner's review will be joining it uh hopefully by monday but uh my problems are basically threefold number 1 <sighs> Todd, um, why am I blanking in his last name? Phillips. Phillips. Todd Phillips. Phillips basically altered 80 years of Batman lore and twisted it in a pretzel so he could make his political point clear. I cry foul because, you know, there's a re- there's a reason Batman and, and his related characters has stood the test of time for eight decades. And specifically... To make Thomas Wayne a symbol of the one percent instead of the benevolent, the benevolent, you know, medical doctor that he has been portrayed as, you know, uniformly since I think 1938, that's yeah. that's that's a big problem, big huge problem. Yeah. Because had had Thomas and Martha not set the tone for young Bruce, he wouldn't have grown up to also be a humanitarian and a benefactor for Gotham City, as well as the Dark Knight Detective. 
So I, I, I take issue with that. Number two, I just, uh, boy, um, the portrayal of mental illness, I thought, bordered on caricature. They added nothing new to the party. There have been mental health professionals who were very displeased with how with how Arthur Fleck was portrayed. And to make him into a folk hero as he commits yeah. these murders, and many of them are quite gruesome and in, de- and in great gory detail, I just think that that's the wrong message we're, we're sending out. Uh, regardless of your political... Regardless of your political beliefs, beliefs, we have a, in our country, in the U.S. currently, mass shootings have become an everyday reality. And so far, the scapegoats have seemed to be video games and mental illness. Well, this is a movie that tackles one of those issues and and does not deal with it realistically and just with broad sweeping strokes with the same... Uh, with the same uh, lack of attention to detail, you know, Arthur's a hot mess and he should not be, he should be pitied, not admired. And yet when you have audiences literally cheering these horrific acts, that's problematic. And the third problem, this comes from me as a screenwriting and a screen studies professor. Dude, Todd Phillips, you're ripping off, you've got Scorsese envy. There are two specific Scorsese movies you rip off shamelessly, Taxi Driver, because Fleck bears more than a passing resemblance to uh, Travis Bickle, Robert De Niro's character, and his relationship with, oh my gosh, Murray Franklin, played by Robert De Niro, mirrors the relationship between Jerry Lewis and a young Robert De Niro. Are you catching a pattern? Um, In the Scorsese movie, The King of Comedy. So you basically lifted two key, your major character can be traced back to two seminal Scorsese characters, both played by Robert De Niro, and then you cast Robert De Niro to play opposite Joaquin Phoenix, and they're both fine actors, and and De Niro has two Oscars to prove that, and Joaquin Phoenix will probably get a nomination for this at least, but... Dude, oh, and there's a little bit of David Fincher thrown in. I won't tell you how, but there's a little, 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 you know, plot element that he ripped off from Fincher and others, but Fincher's kind of the major one. But it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like somebody said back when Dan Quayle was running for v- VP president and somebody had compared him to Jack Kennedy and his opponent said, dude, I knew Jack Kennedy you know, Jack Kennedy was my friend. You're no Jack Kennedy. Like Todd Phillips, you're no Martin Scorsese. And ripping off great films does not make your film great by association. I thought the script was really weak. The cinematography is beautiful. The acting is solid. But I don't like the message of the movie. And to add insult to injury, when the lights came up and people cheered in the theater I was on or clapped, there are parents with young children. And when I say young children, like four to eight or, you know, under 10 and not just one family, but several families, plural with young children. And this is a hard R. I mean, people, you know, there's the scissor attack. There is a, somebody gets shot in the face on live television. You know, the yuppies are, are, are murdered in the train and really, 
you're going to subject little kids to these images? Shame on you. I felt like calling DCFS and telling them, hey, come to Burbank AMC 16 and issue citations at the bottom of the escalator. Because <laughs> Joker just let out. Uh, this says more about our culture than the filmmakers, because obviously it's rated R. Parents should not be taking small children to see this movie. And yet the fact that this movie has resounded so strongly with audiences, I think we're up to over more than $210 million and counting on a $55 million budget. So, uh, you know, it's going to be very profitable. Hopefully we will not see Joker 2 Electric Boogaloo, because as Dr. Wayner pointed out, this version of the Joker is not a, he is not the arch clown of crime. He is just, you know, a hapless victim of circumstances who just likes to murder people. Yeah, so. I actually had a, a similar experience with that in Deadpool 2. I was watching Deadpool 2 when it was out a couple years ago. And I heard this like five year old like talking to his mom. I'm like, why are you, why are you subjecting your kid to this at that age? It's crazy. There's nothing new about bringing kids to R-rated movies. I remember being uh, with Tom, we would watch The Matrix. He'd seen it before I was in there. And there, or for that matter, Jurassic Park. Uh, this is nothing new about uh, child abuse uh, in R-rated or highly violent films. Yeah. It's, that's on them. Jurassic uh, Park is PG-13, but still, I saw four-year-olds in that, and I'm like, the Wicked Witch of the West gave me nightmares when I was four. I don't know what seeing a, a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex ripping an a lawyer in half would do to me. Yeah, but yeah. You, you have to take into account that these parents are saving babysitting money. Oh, joy. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, but how much money are they going to spend in therapy years later? Exactly. Uh, anyway, I... Um, I don't know if this is a right venue for it, but I have to wonder about the, the uh, appeal of the Joker to the audience. I remember Batman 89 uh, when uh, Nicholson's Joker uh, has that electric fine uh, hand buzzer to the criminal. He becomes right. this kind of chunk corpse. People were laughing at that. It's like, is that supposed to be funny? See, that's... That, that has bothered me. And the, he's kind of... He's sort of a, he is kind of a folk hero to some people from the comic books. So I think they kind of saw, hey, let's do a transgressive take on the Joker. That will be bold. I didn't, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Nicholson portrayal because I thought it was too jokey, too over the top. I really think for live action on screen versions, I thought Ledger's version of Joker as anarchic terrorist. And that was the take that uh, Goyer and and the Nolan brothers gave us. For me, that rings the most truly. And I don't remember anybody laughing or cheering because that Joker it, was freaking scary. Exactly. He's this clown prince and everything that I think some people get off on that. But when you really show him for who he is, that's nothing. I don't think only the most demented people could admire and emulate that. I don't – I think it's it, – it's 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 very imaginative take, you know, putting on the makeup and everything, and having a mysterious past. That is an agent of chaos. Yes, definitely. Um, any any thoughts before we move on to our other uh, feature story? Nope, nope. Let's talk about Martin Scorsese versus superhero cinema. I'm sure have, have both of you seen where he basically yeah <laughs> just yes <laughs> yeah. I you know. 
when I read that, I'm like, Marty, you're better than this, man. Don't wade into this. You got your Oscar. You just stay above it. <laughs> but notice his choice of words. Yes. This is not cinema. That was very revealing. D- he's not talking about movies. He's talking about or entertainment. He's talking about cinema, what it means to him. The cinema, as we know, is a word that Americans don't use. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, uh, Europeans go to the cinema. Cinema is an art form. Movies are entertainment, and that's a rough generalization. But when I read that, so that's very revealing, because he, they, in his head, a film, generic term, is cinema. It should be art. It should explore the deep uh, meaning of human relationships and life, as he has done. Fine. He came up in the 70s uh, there, and he probably feels that way about a lot of blockbuster movies anyway. But this happens, the superhero films happen to be where the money is uh, more than anyone's ever imagined before. And so, yeah, he feels like he's always had to kind of work hard to be um, audience, um, you know, to be, to, to earn the bucks. To, it was hard for him to work with studios when he's an independent filmmaker. He's brilliant. It's what he is, but it, it's a clash of modalities. It's, it's art versus entertainment. Uh, he says he can't relate to people uh, those superheroes like that. What 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 is it about them? We can. We think they're wonderful characters, but they're not the kind of mode of narrative and of storytelling that he relates to. Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, I think I think the one thing he did left out. What I don't think it would have been as big of a stir is I know that he's talking about his personal preference, but if Scorsese would have you just added a this isn't cinema to me. I don't think it would blow up as much in his face as it has been and all these responses and stuff. I, I completely agree. I think this is just him talking about his preference in a way. Um, I thought it was revealing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote a piece for Hollywood Reporter and the headline is, Scorsese isn't wrong about Marvel, he isn't right either. <laughs> <laughs> what does he mean by that? Um, the, the, uh, the director wasn't denigrating superhero films so much as stating the obvious. Basically, um, his the opening, opening sentence, Director Martin Scorsese's claim to Empire Magazine that Marvel films aren't cinema is like saying the novel Fifty Shades of Grey isn't literature. He's technically wrong, but he's culturally right. And all the outraged defenders of Marvel films know he's right. I count my, I include myself among Marvel's defenders as both an enthusiastic fan and recent Marvel Comics author. So it, it's basically the same thing that Dr. Wayner that uh, just said. Okay. But here's my issue with it. It can come off a little bit elitist slash cultural snobbery. Mm-hmm. And for somebody, I mean, I've been, this is my 21st year of teaching college full time. And something that I, I realized as I was starting out is, and I told my, shared this with my students, and I don't know if I've told this to you yet, but my, my, my theory is the great filmmakers of yesteryear, mainly the 70s, have lost their freaking minds because most of them, and I'm talking about Lucas, Coppola, um, um, uh, Ridley Scott, Spielberg, most of them have not made a truly great movie in decades, with the exception of Scorsese. He's the only one who I've seen a lot of Scorsese films, and I would argue that his true masterpieces 
were in the 70s, late, uh, mid, to, mid to late 70s, early 80s. However, comma, he's made some true... I mean, I love Silence. It's a tough film. It's not a film I want to sit through again, necessarily. But it's a deeply personal, felt film regarding his, his religious beliefs and convictions. And yeah. the rest of them... I think Spielberg's last truly great film was Schindler's List. I think Lucas's truly great film was probably Empire Strikes Back. Well, he didn't even, he didn't even uh, direct that. He just uh, co-wrote the story for that. I think that uh, Coppola's truly great last truly great film was Godfather Two, eh. and uh, I just saw the 40th anniversary edition of Alien, which holds up so well. But Scott's been slumming and slumming in the same franchise he helped create. It's like, dude, you returned to the franchise and made two not great movies. Yeah. Thoughts? But well, but well, well, some directors, uh, a lot of directors have a shelf life. Yeah. Uh, they, they they hit their peak, and Rob Reiner, Frank Capra, and many others, and they just seem to lose whatever frequency they were on for so long. Yeah, I was going to say Rob Reiner. Yeah. Uh... The, the thing that's interesting is Spielberg has still made entertaining films. He's made mm -hmm. box office hits, but I would argue he has not made a truly great film since Schindler's List. And I hated Lincoln. I thought it was a terrible script. Some of the choices made no sense whatsoever. It's like, really? I fell asleep in really? Lincoln. Lincoln's... <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln's the only movie I've actually fell asleep to in the theater. Oh, wow. Oh. But when, when when Scorsese said that, part of me is like, dude, you're better than this. Stay above the fray. Because I think it's easy yeah. for film stops to say, oh, the superhero movies. Oh, they're just they're popcorn and they make money, but they're not truly art. It's like it's called show business, not show art, not show charity, not show love. Yeah, and those movies um, have made, I mean. I think they, they resent the, um, you know, the disproportionate dollars. They get Ross Douthat and others, and now are very much of that school of, you know, he he means well, but he, but they I think they have a genetic defect. They just can't quite. They don't have the gene to appreciate that mode of storytelling, uh, which is as old as Hollywood. Um, he, you know, you know, clear black hats and whites, but more a bit more uh, psychological realism in the Marvel films, especially. And others, and I, I, I would like to think I can switch modes and appreciate something for what it is. It's more challenging, uh, Scorsese films, whereas uh, some of the best superhero movies function on the level of folk tales or, or legends mm -hmm. or myth. Uh, and that's a mode that is older, certainly much older, and uh, that we acquired growing up reading those comics. And so we, can easily slip into that mode if it's done well and appreciate it for what it is. And then, you know, switch modes and go watch something else and not expect one to be like the other. Yeah. And uh, what one of my students, Jonathan Sims, he is uh, he teaches at one of our, our feeder schools, Pacifica Christian in uh, in um, I want to say it's Santa Monica, one of the beach communities. But he wrote his senior thesis. His 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 the premise of his senior thesis is the superhero films have kind of replaced the standard action films, and mm -hmm. I think to a point, he, I, I think he had a he was onto something because if you look, there are while there will still always be some kind of action films, 
we've gotten a lot of the same older action stars. Like we're still, you know, Denzel and uh, Stallone and um, like and it's Jason Statham. And, you know, they put a bunch of them together in The Expendables and Dolph Lundgren. But they're really not breeding this new generation of action heroes because the superhero films have kind of replaced that niche in the box office. And as well as the Westerns, which I used to look, I mean, they uh, that Mag 7 remake was terrible. Oh, my gosh. They had such a good cast and such a terrible script. I wanted to cry. Mm. Well, it's true that and it has been said that the, um, the star system itself is not what it was. Nope. Because we now, we, we now have franchises and characters who are the stars. That's right. Uh, uh, James Bond series was a sort of a uh, prologue to all that, so that, you know, interchangeable. But I think Captain America um, helped Chris Evans' career, but we want to go see Captain America as played by this guy. But we love Captain America. He's the star. Yeah. Or the Marvel Universe is the star. Right. Although I would argue that RD, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I think Scorsese's argument, you know, it's just based on the time. I, I agree. Superhero movies have replaced the action genre and the action genre is, you know, you got to think about the cinema and movies back in the, you know, 50s and 60s, you know, before that that era of when Scorsese came in. But a lot of the films were westerns. Westerns was the the big uh, storefront for movies uh, back in the day. And as times change, you know, we we get that new genre that that uh, you know everybody seems to uh, be drawn into. And I think uh, kind of post 9/11, uh, we got the superhero genre coming in uh, because we want. We want to believe that there's people out in the world who can handle anything and good people out there who can overcome all the big terrors and stuff like that. So, you know, the, I think the superhero genre is, is a really strong lifespan, especially with the MCU. Uh, and I'm interested on what's going to be the next one and when when's it going to start, you know? Yep. Any closing thoughts from either of you? Make mine Marvel. <laughs> okay. Well... Well, Alec, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, Aaron, have fun with your family in Hawaii. And the rest of you out there in podcast land, thanks for joining us. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with more movie and TV news and views. Take care. Bye-bye.